Hey, what's up? It's me, David, host of the First Four Years podcast. Carving out your own path as a creative professional or an entrepreneur is not just a simple to follow process. It's an unfolding journey of self-discovery, learning, and development. So think of this podcast as a journal of that process, what it's really like in the early phase of starting out and building your own path as a creative today. And if you're coming with me on that journey, let's take that next step forward. Welcome to the first four years. So the episode today is really going to be a transition for the show. We're going to talk about what it's like to work with other people. And a lot of the episodes in the past have been very much about the reality of working alone day to day. But I thought that Joanna would be a great person to bring on the show to talk about what it's like hiring a team. So Joanna, I want to start by asking, did you ever think you would manage other people or even hire other well, people for that I matter? I wanted to eventually because it was always my dream to run a design agency. However, I didn't think it was going to happen until, you know, I don't know, very late 30s, 40s. I thought that was something you had to wait to start doing. Um, but it didn't last long. In my third month freelancing, I was already booked six months in advance. And it was actually my uh, boyfriend, now husband and business partner's idea to start hiring and I was petrified. I was, I was 22. I was like, what am I going to do? Start bossing people around. I don't know how to do that. Um, but he had a good point. Better do it now that we don't, we didn't have responsibilities at a time to take risks whilst we were young. And what did we have to lose? So you were only six months in and you were getting a lot of new work. And was it just getting overwhelming at that time? Is that why you felt like you had to bring someone on? I I feel like most people have the attitude that they can Um, just do it all. It wasn't so much that it was overwhelming. It was that I felt like I I would be missing out on opportunities by having to say no to clients because they didn't want to wait six months. So it was more about this urge to serve more people as well as, well, let's be honest, to also make more money. Right. Yeah, I've heard uh, somebody tell me before that in the early days, you want to say yes as much as possible. And then you hit a point where you need to start saying no a lot and it kind of uh, flips. So I think when you're starting out, it makes sense that you just want to take on as many opportunities as possible. And how much experience did you have working with clients up until that point? Was it really only six months of figuring out how to work with uh, different companies and entrepreneurs? Well, it was three months. (laughs) That we were booked out six months in advance. Oh, three months, yeah. yeah. That was it. And then I yeah. had 10 months working for and, an agency. Okay, so previous to that, you had 10 months working for an agency. And so you'd seen a bit of what it was like to manage different projects at one, at once. And when you um, jumped from the agency to doing it on your own, uh, what kind of prompted that leap? Did you just feel like you could do it you know, yourself and or better well, maybe? The biggest thing that I wasn't getting at my company was freedom uh, to travel, like more time off. So that was the biggest thing. That's why I was like, well, I could probably make just as much money eventually on my own and then I could travel. So that was what was driving me. Mm -hmm. So 
you felt this need, you wanted to travel on your own, uh, you felt like you could pick up clients, you made the jump, and then boom, <laughs> you get a ton of clients right away, way more than you could expect. And you hit this point where you start saying to yourself, I need to have somebody else help me with these clients. I need to have somebody else help me with this business. At that point, um, did you have somebody you knew that you'd been working with that you thought would be a good fit? Like, how did you start to think about how to build a team around this business that you had started? So the first thing was where, you know, because now with online, you can choose if you want a virtual team, if you want an in-person studio. And in conversations with my husband, he suggested, why don't we move back home? We were living in London at the time. Why don't we move back home to Portugal where it's cheaper to rent an office, salaries are more affordable, and we try it there. If it doesn't work, we've got our parents there, we can live there for a while. You know, it was safer to take that risk there. Um, and yeah, so by that time we already had the idea of let's, let's do something physical. And what I did was just, I didn't know anyone um, that I thought I could bring on. So I just went on Behance, which is sort of like the Elance of graphic designers and uh, photographers, and looked up people that were going to be graduating that year, looked through their portfolio, mm. and contacted one of them. And that was my first hire. And so at the time, you were providing uh, graphic design, you were helping people design their websites. When you brought on another designer, uh, was that just a support in that process, or were you actually expanding the amount of um, like products, I guess, that you supplied for your clients? Yeah, it was to expand. It was to be able to take on more products, more projects. Mm -hmm. So you wanted to you wanted to kind of produce um, not only the website, but maybe some other graphics for them, or social as well. Was it expanding beyond websites at that time? Well, you know, branding, logos, ebooks. Mm -hmm. uh, and websites. Yes. Right. So, yeah. So your shop would just kind of uh, do it all, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So you, you hop onto Behance and you find someone who looks like they're a good fit. You reach out. Um, at that point, like, did you know anything about how to structure that with working somebody with somebody, how to hire them full time? Like, how did you know how to actually bring them aboard? Um, was there onboarding? Like, what is that like first hire? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of like bringing them into the fold look like? Uh, very amateur. So no onboarding, no nothing. It was pretty much just, hey, I, I like your work. Um, do you want to work freelance and try out how it works? I would give her the brief the client sent, uh, tell her this is what I'm envisioning. Can you turn something around by the end of the week? And, and, and it was just going like that. And after trying it out with her for two months, um, I asked if she wanted to come on full time. Yeah. Okay. So you, you bring her on full time. And uh, like I said, this show is very much about learning to work with other people and kind of what that early phase looks like. So um, being, you know, I myself, when I was first kind of starting out, I really had control of all the products and projects myself, right? Like I was involved in all the different details. But when you bring somebody aboard, now they're taking over part of the project. Now they, um, it's up to them to kind of complete certain aspects. Were you able to sort of give up that control? Was, was it too loose? Were you too um, kind of overbearing in the beginning? Um, how do you feel like your style was in the early days? Like just pass it off? Or was it like really try to be involved um, with that designer to support it? 
Uh, I was probably micromanaging. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how do you think that worked out with that that hire? <laughs> well, so let me tell you a story. After I hired this girl, I then hired, ended up hiring her best friend because we we were expanding even more, and I needed more. Um, in the team and you know though that might have been a mistake you know hiring best friends but the way I saw it you know I was 22 they were 21 we we're all like young and and thirsty for you know a challenge and here I am thinking this is perfect you know none of us are coming into this journey with you know bad habits or preconceived ideas of what being in a business is so this is going to be fun and I gave them perks like we would go for lunches on the beach. We'd always have lunch together at different places. Some would be provided, would be paid for by the company. I didn't let them stay behind after um, their schedule. I made sure that, you know, at 5 p.m. they were free to go home, even if there was still some work to be completed. I gave them extra holidays, some massages, and you know, <laughs> here I am thinking. Sounds pretty nice, I'm yeah. Best boss ever. This is going so well, but then things started to take a turn for the worst. You know, the atmosphere in the office started to feel very tense. I couldn't know why. Um, I started noticing that at 10 to 5, they're already packing up their stuff and running out the door. They were, they started avoiding me for lunch, saying that they were going to go for lunch with friends instead. And then one day they asked to speak to me in private and they told me, we want you to double our salaries or we're going to quit. Wow. So there was warning signs sort of building up. You had felt like you were this great boss. You're providing all these perks and then almost out of nowhere... It's like this shocking news. And so what happened next? Well, so you know, imagine how I felt. Like I, I obviously knew something was wrong, but I was too scared to ask. They clearly were too scared to tell me and we're just letting this elephant sit in the room. Um, so I, I asked them why. And that's when they started to spill a huge list of things that they didn't like that I did, of behaviors that I had that didn't like you know oh man yeah (laughs) it's like like, all at once (laughs) yeah they just built it all um which which was yeah it floored me I'm not gonna lie after that experience um after that day I was just I went into a little bit of a depression you know I wanted I, I thought you know here I am thinking I'm being a great boss and starting to build a great company but I clearly don't have what it takes to be a leader I thought and I'm just gonna give up and go back to freelancing and then it got worse oh I get an an email from a client and that I've been cc'd in and I scroll down and here they are saying they're gonna start their own design studio they're my ex designers and they could provide the same service at half of the price. So they emailed, so uh, you'd been working with them, you thought things were going great, they uh, they decide that they're gonna quit if you can't pay them more, and then when they quit, they go to one of your clients and say they can provide that same service at a cheaper price? Exactly. Wow. <laughs> and so did you interact with them at that point? What uh, was your kind of course of action there? Well, 
I'm lucky that I've always taken really good care of my clients. So their reply was more than talent. What we value is integrity. So mm. thank you, but no. And, you know, for me, that was enough. I didn't need to tell them anything. They didn't end up stealing any of our clients. Um, and so I just accepted. I just accepted that I had to, I mean, the points they said were pretty big mistakes that I had made. So I just accepted that this was a lesson I had to learn and to let them go, wish them well, you know, even though there is some resentment there, it's always hard to forgive, but you know, I worked on it and just, I just left it there. Yeah. And so looking, looking back, kind of what were some of those mistakes or what do you think the valid uh, complaints were? with the people you were working with. Because I think for people, when you just start out, and I definitely had this as well, I I think you think that the sort of the ignorance and not knowing exactly how a company should be run as an asset, because you're like, I can create this new thing in a way Mm -hmm. that's never been done before. And then once you make some mistakes, you realize that there's a reason why people do certain parts of business. Not that every you know, aspect needs to be replicated in every company, but like there are some things that actually really help facilitate you know, connection in the office and people enjoying their work. So what do you think some of the like valid complaints were from these employees who you had hired um, that you realized you wanted to do differently next time? Yeah, well, first big mistake was probably not giving them a contract. So already I'm not giving them that sense of safety. And everyone needs to be safe, needs to feel safe in their workplace. Um, So that was one big thing. I was micromanaging their time. So they would be like in flow, creating a new logo. And I would go into a client meeting and the client would be like, can you turn this around still today? And I would say, yes, yes, of course. Because you say yes to everything at the beginning, right? And then I would have to interrupt them, make them switch projects. And I was probably like micromanaging them to the minute to make sure that they were doing all these things that I had promised my clients. Um, I wasn't giving them recognition. So, you know, we were still trading under my name.com. So their name would be no, like not even their photo was found, was to be found online. Um, they didn't feel like they were part of a team, right? Because everyone saw their work as mine, not as now gift design studios. Now we have a name for the studio and it's everyone's in the website. All their faces are in the website. But at the time, you know, and, and for artists, that's a yeah. tough one. And it, it's so easy, I think, too, to um, to begin that way because when you start paying other people, uh, you just want things to go right and you want to make sure that things happen for the client that need to happen. And so it's really easy, I think, as the owner to start like spending a lot of your time making sure that other people are working effectively instead of giving them some breathing space where they can bring their best selves to the table. Um, so f- the first thing was safety. And, and that yeah. for you comes through kind of that contract, which is like, if this is all written down, then you know you're officially a part of this. The second thing was they needed a bit more space to be able to do their work and not feel like you know you were always there present kind of changing things. Um, and then kind of that third piece was just being mm-hmm. recognized and whether that's probably how 
you communicate with them, but also maybe how people understand that they're a part of the company too, and it's not just you. Were, were there some other aspects as well there? Yeah, well, back to the feeling safe piece, um, I was probably not having enough conversations with them about how they were feeling in the workplace. I wasn't giving them the safe space to share, what are you not happy with right now? Um, is there anything you suggest we change? So that was, yeah, yeah. I mean, we would chat a lot, but it was never about these things. Uh, I probably didn't make them feel safe enough to criticize anything about the way we mm -hmm. ran things. So who do you turn to at this point? You've, you have this kind of happen. It feels like a loss. Like you said, you felt like, oh man, maybe I'm not supposed to be a leader, which I think for anybody starting out, it's just so... I can't not make these mistakes. Like there's going to be some big mistakes mm -hmm. that you will make hiring and managing a team. Um, but you hit this point where you're like, I just feel like maybe this isn't for me. Who do you turn to at that point that helps you realize uh, those mistakes and maybe how you can um, move forward in a positive way and still build the team? Because it takes a while to find that clarity. Like, I don't think you don't, necessarily realize all those things right away you know was there somebody that you turned to that um, well, was very supportive in that transition period well you know first I had to tell my clients that suddenly I had lost two people and I couldn't deliver on what I had promised and they were incredibly but I was lucky they were incredibly incredibly supportive um, some of them even directed me to resources and books and can we hang on the point um, for a second because that that doesn't yeah. seem like in a good way that doesn't seem like the position that everybody would be in and i think you probably did some stuff mm -hmm. there that helped helped your clients be like that when interacting with you what do you think built that mm -hmm. relationship so that the clients you had were that cool and open about it and wanting to help were you just totally honest with them in an email and they appreciated that? Was it a process beforehand? Well, I was totally honest from the very beginning. Like I remember my first client. Um, well, the first time I got a client was because I wanted to enroll in this online course, uh, B-School, and I didn't have the money. So I put in the comments, I wish I had some freelance clients so I could afford this. That's how I got my first client. I mean, already they know I'm being vulnerable and that they're helping me get started in my journey and and then I've always been like that and then you know word of mouth referral they, they'll say you should work with Joanna you know she's just starting out she needs some help getting clients but her work is good you know that that was also a big piece like I did good work but I was vulnerable and always shared like this is only my second project. So, you know, tell me if I'm doing okay. I think that's a huge point. And I think it helps get people past kind of that initial fear of starting out, which is if you can just be transparent and tell people where you're at, like, hey, this is my first podcast ever. I'm still learning how to interview. Let's do this thing. Or, uh, you know, hey, I'm just starting this company. I really want to do a photo shoot. Just letting you know it's my first one. Um, but I have, you know, done a ton of work in the past and I'm excited about the project. Like if you can just express that instead of trying to almost fake that you're like this big official company, which I think a lot of people do, um, mm -hmm. you know, in your case, 
you started by saying it's it's just me. I'm looking for new clients. Then when you had more people, you said it's me and a team. And then when they went away, you said it's just me again. Um, and so it's kind of like there was no um, there was no thing that you constructed that wasn't real. Um, but I, I think that's a really interesting point that I think gets overlooked. But it shows how valuable that is because your clients were okay with it even when your team changed. Yeah, and I'm not fully against faking it until you mm -hmm. make it kind of thing. I think in some meetings I had to kind of pretend that we were worth the amount I was charging or that we could deliver on this when we had never yeah. But it's it's knowing it's it's knowing how to balance that, knowing how to be just being human enough and being vulnerable bold enough as well as being confident in what you're providing yeah yeah totally okay so you reach out to your clients they mm -hmm. say hey that's okay we've been there too here's some resources uh what's the next step after that um for a whole month i just don't do anything pretty much cry every day <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, and then I I start to be like, okay, well, you know, and, and my husband's being really encouraging, like, just, you can do it, just, this is not like this every time, um, just, just start again, this is how we learn, you know, we're never ready, um, we just have to try, and then we'll be ready. One thing that really helped me is to start reading about leadership and understanding that the point of a leader is not to boss people around, it's to take care of them. And it's to model the behavior you want to see in the people you're leading. And that for me was such an eye opener that I didn't have to, you know, know it all. And I didn't have to know what everyone should be doing. Um, well, first the experience had been really humbling. <laughs> and then to know that it wasn't, being a boss wasn't what I thought it was that it was just taking care of your team and letting them take care of you, that really helped make the shift and then give me the motivation and inspiration to start hiring. Yeah, again. was there a particular book or resource that um, that did help you see things in a different light? Uh, so at the time, it was uh, mainly TED Talks um, and the book um, by Simon Sinek, Eaters, uh, Leaders, eat last and then also having lots of conversations with entrepreneurs who who do have a team but right now a book that came out that wasn't available at the time that i would recommend anyone uh who is who has a team even if they're just managing one at their place of work is radical candor um by kim scott and i can definitely uh link that up that's that's awesome so uh, let's start from you've made this shift kind of in your head through reading and these resources. Now, how do you start to build back up again after, um, you know, that, that stumble, I suppose we could describe it as? Well, I did it pretty much the same way, just looking at... No, actually, this time I put an ad up, and I was very careful with how I was writing my ad to make sure that I attracted the right people. Um, ended up deciding to hire to hire older people than me. 
I thought, you know, I don't have to be, I shouldn't be the best designer of my team. I should be the worst. That's how we're really going to get somewhere. And if I hire someone who's already had experience in other design agencies, then they're only going to help me more. And it was about, it was that decision to be humble and to, to hire people that have been through that. That helped a lot. Um, and then and I'm sure that was scary to, to do that because it's easy to think to yourself, this person has way more experience than me. Um, you know, who am I to, to be leading them? Exactly. Yes. Um, that was totally my thought. And, and then, you know, being a woman as a leader is also not great. I mean, not so much now, but that was another thing that made me insecure was suddenly I hired two men, both older than me. Um, and yeah, I was, I was terrified, but I was always telling them, um, you guys are going to help this business grow into something that I could never do alone. Mm-hmm. And that's really like that empowerment you were kind of talking about mm-hmm. of you know putting them on the site and it's really saying, hey, this is this is partly your thing um, that you can take ownership of too to grow that. Um, and so when you, when you brought them aboard, um, how did you kind of create or know how to create the right roles for them or the right structure of the company? Because I think that's something that let's say someone else is in your position now and they're getting a lot of work and they want to start hiring. Um, I think the actual like structure of the company um, is something that's a little difficult to figure out as well. Like the, maybe the hierarchy or how the information flows. Like, mm-hmm. um, can you talk some about how you either placed people or knew how to build um, the right kind of structure for that team? Sure. Well, so one of the things that helped was I had already been in an agency, so I kind of knew that you had designers, you had developers, you had account managers, studio manager, and then creative directors. So I thought, okay, well, these are the the roles that we'll eventually have. Right now, I can do these roles, so I just need designers. So it became that first it was all designers and I was the creative director slash marketing slash you know everything else um you know at that time I also started working with a coach who helped me I think that's that's also important um and now you've got these smaller masterminds online that are more affordable and that's um those are so helpful when you're trying to figure this out. But it's also about trial and error. And um, a really good exercise is to audit everything you're doing and to put it into chunks. Like, okay, so I'm spending X amount on client management and I'm spending X number of hours on creative direction. Which one do I like most? Okay, I prefer creative direction. Let's hire someone to do project management. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so you was, kind of. You have yeah. that map that you keep assessing and then you can kind of understand where the resources are needed based on that. Yeah, I mean, and here's here's how, here's where my husband and I balance each other well because <laughs> there was a time, uh, I think last year, where we were, you know, we're a team of eight now, so feel more confident. And I go, okay, so we need to hire a CFO. We need to hire <laughs> um, another account manager, another developer, this, this, and this. And, and he helped me uh, to stay grounded, be like, wait, we don't need that yet. Like you're, 
Yeah. And also because they were, they were going to be spending their time staring at the ceiling because we don't have enough to fill a full-time job of a, of a CFO, for example. Yeah, and know? that's the hardest part of an agency really, right, is kind of staffing based on projects as they expand or contract. Um, I think it seems like that's one of the difficulties in building an agency is really the team component because you don't, mm-hmm. don't want to hire somebody and have them only have 50% of their time <laughs> being filled with something to yeah. do. So Yeah, exactly. Did you... Did you consciously, so I think when you, when you start a company and you grow your team, your role changes. You went from designing everything yourself to becoming creative director, to wearing all these other hats, like you know, doing the accounting and, and everything like that. Did you, did you actually understand that at the time um, when you started growing? Or is that something you sort of realized later that that's like actually what's going to happen is your role will continue to change. Well, I was warned that was going to happen. And then I started noticing that I was not opening Photoshop or any of the creative softwares that we would normally use. And and now I probably haven't in three years, unless it's for my own personal amusement. Um, I think that's a, that's a huge thing, though, because... And it's, it's almost one of those things where you think, and I myself, like, I don't feel like I fully grasped that until later either. It seems very obvious that like, if you're going to grow a company and a team that your role is going to change over time. But I think that statement, um, which isn't a bad thing that, Hey, you started a design studio and you haven't used Photoshop in three years. (laughs) I think people maybe still just don't assume that when they're starting out. <laughs> um, so I think that's just like a, a good point to to understand that if you're going to grow your team, if you want to work with other people, if you want to lead people, your your role is going to change and that's okay. Have you, have you found yeah. enjoyment then as you, once the Photoshop closed and now you're pursuing the other parts of the business, like, has it always been fun and engaging for you? Do you miss it? Um, I definitely miss the creative part, um, and I think now I'm doing it more as hobbies rather than as part of um, of work. And you know, I'm just I'm still figuring it out, and I think we all are, no matter where we are in our careers. Um, right now, I'm doing so many different things and and trying to see what I like best. For example, uh, speaking is something that I'm doing now as part of our marketing uh, for the company. And I'm really enjoying that. So I would love to do more of that and maybe do less of the client uh, management side of things. Um, But one thing that I do find fulfillment from and I do love that I wasn't expecting at all is nurturing my team. It's a great, great thing to fall in love with. <laughs> and so can you talk about, yeah. can you talk about um, what that means to you, what that looks like to you? What, um, what are the actions that you're taking um, in loving your team or in nurturing your team? Um, well, the first thing that I think I realized is that you have to care personally, um, but you also have to, when you give feedback you have to challenge them directly and as someone who's very ambitious and always likes to improve um i love i love the challenge how how can you be both how can you be loving and supportive but at the same time be kind of mean to not mean but 
at the end of the day, you're going to say things that are going to piss them off. It's just um, part of being a leader or part of managing people. Um, and at the time, what I was doing with the other girls is with criticism, I would let it bottle up and then suddenly I'd sit them down and be like, you did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and that's not the right way to do it. So I like now being able to be extremely open with them uh, to seeing also part of nurturing the team is getting to know them really well. Like what motivates them? For instance, we have someone in our team who who's a father now. So he wanted um, he wanted more maternity leave and to work from home. So we made sure that we gave him that flexibility. And now that he's he's back, we're we're trying to see so what is going to motivate you now. And we realize it's um, more responsibility maybe with managing, for example, our social media account. So it's, it's finding what motivates them, making sure you're, you either help them fulfill that or, or say, like, I'm listening. Um, it's, it's great that you want that. Right now we can't give you that, but, you know, maybe there is something that we can do. And what happens when you nurture a team like that and when you listen to them, um, and try to accommodate to their needs and wants and is that they're going to end up taking such good care of you. That's awesome. This is, this is all so good. Like, I just want you to keep talking because I feel like you've <laughs> highlighted two areas that are so important. And the first one is the balance of supporting, um, but also being direct with what your needs are. And instead of letting that bottle up for a long time and not not being candid, um, you you kind of let it bottle up and you don't uh, say it when it needs to be said. And I think that's a huge kind of key point is if you can have that balance, which is so hard for people to find. And I think it's probably mm-hmm. mostly for people, they end up bottling things up because they try to avoid conflict. Like I uh-huh. think most people probably tend um, to not be direct. I think there's some people that are probably too direct mm-hmm. and need to be a bit more loving. But yeah. that balance, like that is just, I think you just summed it up beautifully, um, kind of a key part. And if you can have that balance in communication and you get to know them and understand their needs, then that's a leader that people want to follow. So yeah, I just think that is a beautiful mm-hmm. kind of illustration there. How, how did you learn... Um, to overcome sort of being more direct because it feels like a paradox. It feels like if I say this straight up to this person, they're gonna like hate me or they're gonna hate working here. Like how did you learn that it actually is makes people happier to have that balance? Um, well, definitely from experience, from doing it wrong at the first time, that helped a lot. Um, it didn't make it easier though <laughs> and I, yeah, it's it's always hard, especially when you're talking about people's work that they've put their love into. Um, you know, how do you have the heart to tell them, look, this is not great? Um, yeah, what's do you tie it to? Um, do you tie the feedback to a goal that you're trying to achieve? Like, how do you provide that candid feedback 
in a way that isn't something that's hurtful to them because it's not them it's it's the work right you're not yeah. challenge you're not yeah. you're not attacking their exactly. but even though they might feel that way and so what what is it that you um how do you approach that how do you um give somebody that critical feedback without it feeling targeted towards them as a person yeah so first is to make sure the choice in your words doesn't use you and it uses your work um and then it's good to always have a reason behind why you're saying what you're saying and there are so and and then intuitively you can go about it different ways like for example we had one of our team members he is he's great he has won a bunch of awards and his work is amazing but um, he was always going over in terms of hours for our projects. And I was always bringing it to his attention. You know, you went over again, you know, and, and when you're in business, you know, if you go over time, you're, you're losing profit and maybe going into uh, debt with that project. So it's hard because at this, in one hand, he was producing amazing work that looks amazing in our portfolio. On the other hand, it just wasn't working. So, and I was struggling this struggling with this for a while because I kept having to repeat the same feedback over and over again and he would always say well this time it was because of um, this reason and this time it was because the client asked for more revisions etc etc so I shared this um, problem with a friend and they said well have you put yourself at the same level and worked as a team rather than me being above and saying you didn't meet this criteria and something there clicked for me and i was like okay let me try that and i told him like look it's going to be both our responsibilities to meet this um to meet the hourly target so let's look at it objectively what should my emails say to make sure that the client doesn't um, give extra rounds of feedback. And let's look at what you can do as well on your part um, to, to stay within the hour limit. And suddenly, by giving him that extra responsibility, by running all the emails we were writing to the clients by him, it worked like magic. Yeah, you empowered him to solve the problem. Instead yeah. of you coming and saying, this is the solution that you need to follow, it's like, this is a, something we need to figure out, but I want you to help solve it. And it yeah, gave him exactly. him the power. Instead of your power being sort of asserted, um, it was more like, hey, let's both work on this. It's it's up to both of us to, to solve this. That's a great example. Definitely. Yeah, and so um, that was, the first thing is kind of that critical feedback. Um, the second thing is getting to know your employees, getting to understand what it is that drives them. And how can somebody start to figure that out? Is it about recurring conversations? Is it particular questions? Is it just hanging out at the end of the each workday? Like, how does somebody get to really understand who their employees are so they can nurture them right in the workplace? Right. So obviously it's different for any um, business depending on the size we're quite small so we we have lunch every day on, on the same table um, so that already helps to really get to know them and then the other thing is make sure that you're available because at the beginning 
um, I was noticing that a lot some of them were coming to me with like personal problems for example that they needed help with or they needed some time off but they would always start by saying I wanted to speak to you last week but you look so stressed and busy that I didn't and so that was the first thing I had to fix is make sure they always uh, feel that you're available for conversations uh, no matter what um, then I guess uh, to be able to accept, um, to be able to take on critical feedback, that's also really important. Because um, mm-hmm. so when that conversation, when they come to you for that conversation, it's also listening. So it's not just having the open hour yeah, where they can talk to you. Because obviously, if you put your defense up, they're never going to come to you again with problems, and you're never going to get to know what really motivates right. them. And, and then it's just being aware, you know, sometimes I sit at my desk and I know I hear them talking and I just pause what I'm doing to just, it's not eavesdropping, you know, but we work in an open space. Yeah, see what, feel their tone of voice. Are they speaking in a stressed tone of voice? Are they having fun and everything's flowing well? And if I feel like someone is stressed or if I see someone is not having lunch with the team, then I always make sure I go to them and ask, is everything okay? Can I help with anything? Um, yeah, just being human, I guess. This is so, all of this is seriously so, so good. Um, and it it makes me kind of realize too, just at a higher level, it's really for anybody who's looking to start a team, to hire people, the leader is really one who sets the tone the vibe, the energy, like the entire experience, it sort of starts with you. And so if you're open and available and you're willing to take criticism, then other people on the team are open and available willing to take criticism. If you can share what your interests are and how you want to support them, then you know they're interested in trying to support you and the company. Um, and so it just really sounds like the, the key is kind of, it's your own transformation through this process and that's reflected in kind of mm-hmm. the company culture. And I'm sure you feel like you've changed just probably a ton um, over the past few years Definitely. in growing your team. And, and to add to what you said, you know, it's you that sets the tone, but you don't have to be happy every day. That's okay to show up one day and to be, you know, I'm having a really bad day and then they'll pick you up and then someone else will have a really bad day and, and then you'll see them picking themselves up. So. Yes, at the beginning, maybe you need to, you know, help set the tone and the culture. But I think what I was doing at the beginning was to think, well, I have to keep this level of energy and excitement up every day until I realized I didn't. And that was such a relief. Like I could be vulnerable with them and saying, look, I'm really nervous about this uh, call I'm about to have or something or I'm having a bad day. And, And they have your back. And that's great. That's awesome. So, great point. Uh, so much good advice here. Is there anything else for somebody who is looking to hire their first person, hire their fifth person? They want to change the culture that has been around in their office because I think that's something that's common. Is as as we're learning as leaders, it might be on the fly. So maybe you already have five people you're working with, but you're trying to get that culture kind of back on track. Like, is there anything else that you'd say for people? Um, building a team that we haven't really covered here today? Um, Well, 
Keep an eye out for toxic team members. That's important. If you see that someone is um, has a bad behavior and the others are picking up on that behavior, then considering f consider firing fast. Uh, take time to hire, but fire fast. Because um, it only takes one bad team member to contaminate the whole team. Yeah, totally. I think that's also uh, great advice, especially with the small team like what, yeah. what you're working with as well so but but to end on a more positive note <laughs> um you know pick team pick um people not just by their talent but also by their soft skills um and you're going to be spending if especially if you work physically with them you're going to be spending probably a third of your day with them if we think in terms of hours and so pick people that you genuinely get along with that's so important if you don't gel even if they're the most talented people in the world it's going to make your day more difficult and we all want to we all just want our day to be the best that it can be yeah. yeah fun and yeah great great advice especially if you're the one building the team it's like why not create a space that feels great for you to be a part of feels great for other people to be a part of um, and I think it's it's sort of easy to lose that in the goal of the the business financially or getting the best people. Um, I think it's easy to let that sort of fall off track. You for you forsake just the enjoyment of uh, being in that right atmosphere, which also produces great results. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for the time. This is like I'm learning <laughs> a ton. I feel like you have uh, brought a bunch of different concepts that everybody should be thinking about. Um, and also just being able to relate to the early days, I think is super valuable as well. So thank you so much for being able to uh, share that with everybody. What is sort of next for you? How are things feeling? Um, you know, what's next on the horizon? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I know next, sometimes. Next on the horizon is to figure out what I want to be on the horizon. I think right now we're keeping this the team uh, at the same size I feel that eight is like a really good number um, to go beyond eight we would need to learn what does the structure look like again and I just want first to figure out where my role is you know maybe do some more creative things and and then we'll see yeah awesome great well I can link um, people to your site I know you've got a personal site as well that people can check you out at um, is there anything else people should see, check out, follow? Uh, well, definitely uh, the two books I said. And if you're starting out um, hiring and if you want really like a how-to book, um, especially if it's virtual uh, team members, then check out Virtual Freedom by Chris Ducker. Mm. Awesome. That's another good piece of advice. I'm going to check that out myself as well. So cool. Well, thank you so much again for the time. Really glad that we got to catch up and, and talk some about this. Um, I feel like you should put out, I don't know, an ebook, something like this on this topic, because I just feel like your approach uh, totally nails it. So just going to just going to put that idea out there as you're as you're thinking yeah. about the horizon, you know, maybe there's something about uh, building a team out there. So I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thanks so much again, and uh, we'll chat soon. Thank you for having me.